1: Hello and welcome to The Menopod, the podcast that tackles the menopause and midlife matters one large gin and tonic at a time. In this episode, we're going to talk books. They've been a massive saviour for people these last few months, as many of us have looked to find new ways to keep ourselves entertained during lockdown. Whether you've always loved curling up with a good story, or you've rediscovered your love of reading, there's no doubt that the popularity of a rattling good yarn has never been higher, with an estimated 202 million books sold in the UK last year. In this episode, we'll be joined by best-selling author Catherine Isaac, whose brand new novel, Messy, Wonderful Us, is out now. We'll be chatting to her about how she creates her heroines, what it takes to become an author, and why it's never too late to get started. There are so many other easier
0: things to do than write a book. And you could I could distract myself with a hundred different things. But actually, once you've started, once you've just put the idea down, Actually, doing it then prompts more ideas.
2: But first of all, Dawn, is there a novel in you? Well, I think the short answer to that is probably no, there really isn't. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm almost sorry about that because I'd love there to be. People ask, don't they? Because obviously, we're both journalists, and people will ask often, Oh, have you never thought about writing a book? And I always think, Oh, I should think I should go away and think about that again. And then I go away and think about it and realize I haven't got an idea in my head, just nothing. (laughs) So then, so then I'm slightly disappointed in myself because then I think, well, I'm not, I'm not imaginative enough. And I I wonder whether, you know, because we write for a living, it's a bit like going, well, I once painted a skirting board. And now I'm going to see if I can get in the national portrait gallery. You know, when you think it's they're two totally separate things, aren't they? Same basic skill but hugely different in reality and i think it takes something far different than what we do to create a novel which i, I so i
1: full kudos to everyone who does i i completely agree i'm a bit like you people say oh would you like to write you know what i'd love to write i've got friends who write short stories and and who are published and what have you no i just don't have it in me because my background's hard news and It it just doesn't appeal to me. And I'm hugely envious, I think, of people like Catherine, who we'll meet later on, who can do that, who can sit down and write a novel. I think everybody goes, oh, how hard can it be? Actually, really hard. I think you've got to be very disciplined, um, as Catherine, I'm sure, will tell us. But no, I, I haven't got a novel in me. I am, however, a big reader and I kind of never used to be. And I am now, which has been a really nice positive, one of the few positives of lockdown, that that I've really got back into books again. What about you? I love reading. Absolutely love reading. I'm a
2: very slow reader. Everybody who knows me knows that I take forever to read a book. And not because I have some sort of special (laughs) educational situation going on. I don't. It's just, do you know what it is? I completely absorb myself in the story. So while I'm reading... I'm picturing every, every little thing that's going on that's being described. Oh, but, but that's so got to be a forever. good book to do that. Oh, no, every
1: book, every book. so served- can you write, can, can you read yeah. quite, I don't want to sound posh here, but like quite lowbrow literature. Are you a Mills and Boone kind of gal? Not that Mills and Boone's lowbrow, but do you know what I mean? Is it yeah. a very, well, are you very accessible or... Oh, are you wow, a Hilary yeah. Mantel or are
2: you a bit of both? No, I, I will literally, le- no, I have no snobbery about what I read at all and I will read anything. No, I'm not a, I don't read to learn. My husband is a person who reads to learn. I read to enjoy. And I think, so I have no level, I have no bar beyond which I will not go if I, so long as I'm enjoying it, basically
1: my daughter's dyslexic and for the longest time she couldn't read she just couldn't read and it used to break my heart because it was something was closed off to her do you know what i mean that that yeah. i thought you poor lass you can't access what other people access and those whole different worlds and different possibilities yes. it's like a key it's a key to a magic door isn't it being able to read and when you can't it's a nightmare fortunately yes. she can read now and she's doing she's doing fine but I do remember yes. at the time being very sorry for her that she couldn't access that plus she get imaginary mates don't you because you,
2: you you know when you read something, I'm re, I've reread Bridget Jones in lockdown and I, I think oh and you almost invest in these people as if they're your friends so, and not that I'm so sad that I don't have real friends. Please attest to that too. I was oh, just going to say, do you I, do, need to get out more? Yeah, I know. I know, yeah. Well, in lockdown, yes. The truth is, yes. But you, do you know what I mean? You kind of connect to like, different characters as well. So you can... It, yeah, I, totally. I, I am somebody... But that's why I'm slow.
1: Have you ever had the thing where you close a book and you think, oh, I'm really going to miss you? I'm going to oh, miss yeah, these people the that, I, that I spend yeah. time with. And that's the mark totally. of a great novel, isn't it? Okay, so we can now talk to somebody who knows all about this, who creates those worlds, who creates those characters that we miss, Um, and that's Catherine Isaac, best-selling author. Uh, Catherine was born in Liverpool and began her career working in local newspapers, and she's former editor of the Liverpool Daily Post. She wrote her first book, Bridesmaids, while on maternity leave under the pseudonym of Jane Costello, and her eight subsequent novels have all been bestsellers. You, Me, Everything, her first book, writing as Catherine Isaac, was selected by the Richard and Judy Book Club. It's been translated into 25 languages, and a movie adaptation is in development. How exciting. Her next novel, Messy Wonderful Us, was followed by her brand new one, The World at My Feet, which is out now. Catherine, welcome. Hello there. Hi. Now, you're reading lots of books and listening to podcasts, obviously. Absolutely. (laughs) So listen, for anyone who's never written a novel... And frankly, that's going to be most of us. Um, Where do you start? And I guess you know you probably have this question when you're a journalist: Well, where do you get your stories from? But as a as a, a novelist, it's a whole different realm. Journalism is very fact based. Novels are not so much. Do you actually sit down with like a a blank laptop in front of you, or do you have the ideas first and then start? How do, what's the process like? Well. I
0: mean, casting my mind back to when I first started and, you know, the very first book that I wrote, the, the first thing I should say is I quickly discovered it's a lot harder than it looks. And it took <laughs> me, honestly, it took me, it must have been a decade before, um, you know, a, a, of trying to write a novel before I actually cracked it and had written one. Um, and I think it starts with a big, a big idea. You've got to have um, when I'm st- when I'm writing a novel, even now that I've written uh, many, um, I always start with you know the you know the blurb on the back of the books that you, you when you pick them up from the yeah. book. I start with that because I think unless it's a really compelling idea, you're not going to have enough there to really you know keep yourself going as and keep yourself interested as a writer and keep the reader interested, which is, of course, you know, the most important, uh, the most important thing. Um, so I start with the idea and then I plot out absolutely everything from start to finish, uh, every single scene before I even sit down and and write the words chapter one. Um, that said, as soon as I start writing, ideas start coming at you. And so that outline that I've done always changes, you know, as I, as I'm going along.
1: Oh, so that's really interesting. So is it like um like a mood board almost that you kind of have in your head? Absolutely. So you'll have key
0: scenes that you know. you know you want a really kind of um it, it, novels kind of build up in terms of plot, you know, so you want like it really or, or something really explosive happening about three quarters of the way through, and you know you'll have ideas for scenes that you kind of pinpoint and ideas for what you want to happen at the midway, at the midpoint of the novel. Um, And yes, it is like a mood board. I'll plot all that out. But like I say, it's such a messy process. Everyone's got a different way of doing it. And obviously, having been writing now for 15 years, I know an awful lot of authors. And I think it's fair to say we all do it differently. And there's no right way. You've got to kind of learn You've really just got to feel your way through it, and I, and I have to say, it's never got any easier. If anything, it's got
1: harder. You're joking. You think you think practice would make it more perfect, but no, it's it's harder, harder than ever. Do you know? I think you set the bar higher and higher for
0: yourself. You know, when you you know you kind of try and um, stretch yourself as an author, I guess. Um, and this book that I have written most recently, The World at My Feet, um, required, I mean, God, it was definitely the hardest book I've ever written because I'd written about 70,000 words of it and then realized I'd made a catastrophic mistake and had to
1: basically dump the lot and start oh, what 70,000 words in you kind of went What? Well, hang on so is this like at 2am in the morning that you sat bolt upright in bed and went oh no well it was
0: actually in the process of um I was interviewed I did a lot of research for this book and because it's really important to me that I even though it's fiction it's got to be grounded in reality that is 100% accurate and that's you know once you've been a journalist Sue That is completely, it's got to be the case. You can't have something wrong in it. And I was basically researching a completely different idea and a completely different book. And I was talking to this amazing guy called Mark Cook, who is a retired army officer. Um, And he basically gave up his job in the army and set up a charity called Hope and Homes for Children to the aims to end institutional care for children worldwide. And we got talking about, you know, the orphanages in Romania that hit the headlines 30 years ago. And that formed the nugget of what was then to become the world at my feet. And watch once I had hit on this idea, that had to be the book for me. And so the book basically is sorry, I've strayed into talking about my new book and I really didn't (laughs) No, 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 go on, go on. But it is basically, that that book is about, uh, well, there's two characters. One is about Ellie, who we meet in the present day, and she is an Instagram gardener. Um, so she's got all these followers on social media. She's very successful. Even though she spends like all these long days outdoors tending to this beautiful garden that she's passionate about, she's actually severely agoraphobic and hasn't left her Hasn't left her the, the 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 boundaries of her garden for more than two years, and then the other character we meet is Harriet, who uh, we meet in uh, nineteen ninety, and she's the she's a journalist covering the the Romanian orphanages, and you know that that hit the headlines thirty years ago. And these two characters come together, and it's about two worlds colliding, basically.
1: So Jane, do you you always know what the ending is going to be? You said there that you, you know, seventy thousand words in, you thought, oh, hang on a minute. Do you always know when you start what the end will be, or are you in a, you know, do you get so far and you think, oh, I didn't know it was going this way. Fancy.
0: Um. I. uh, Yes, I do always know what the ending is going to be. To be honest, uh, it is far better if you know the ending before you start you've got to have a clue you've got to have an ending now that's not to say you won't get a better idea when you're halfway through and that's to be honest that's what happened with this book it's never happened to me before like that but when when you found when you feel like you've hit on something so compelling um you've just got to do it basically and that and that's how that's how I felt with this you know so even though I had it all plotted out this just trumped everything else and I had to unpick it and throw loads away and start again and it was it was
1: totally worth it.
0: Well you know you mentioned doing sort of extensive
2: research for for your kind of where you set the novels and also in terms of characters and what they would do and what they would say that a certain amount of it, uh, research i imagine you do on the internet but do, are you also constantly researching in real life because i know with your with your i've read your books with the pre, with your previous book so messy wonderful lords a lot of that was set in italy wasn't it yes, it was it, yeah and the, there was such detail there that it was it was kind of it painted this beautiful picture now i know that you've been to the area where a lot of it was set Do you were you kind of when you go somewhere or when you find yourself in an environment or when you find yourself in even in different company with people, are you kind of making little mental notes thinking, Oh, okay. I really like the beautiful bougainvillea there, or I like the, I like the way. I oh, she said something interesting, and then you nip to the loo and put it on your phone in the notes bit. I would. I'd be constantly in case I forgot it. I'd be thinking. Oh God knows what she's going to say about us. What a nice <laughs> I No. Well, but do you? Do, are you? Are you kind of a? Are you like a sort of detective level of yeah. note maker?
0: in terms of in terms of if I'm writing about somewhere in a different location such as so Messy Wonderful Us was all set in Lake Garda you me everything is all set in the Dordoid in France Uh, the world at my feet is predominant the research was different for that because it wasn't about a location but um I have to say yes of course we all love a good research trip so going to going to you know for, I went for five days and when you are specifically going to write about books that whole book was set there Um, to me as a reader one of the enjoyable things about reading a book set in a beautiful location is all about the escapism and so you want to really immerse yourself in the sights and sounds so yes you do go and I've got loads of videos of, of, you know on my phone of just you know, little nuggets of detail, I suppose, that are are around, whether it's kind of soaking up the, the food or the atmosphere or the, you know, the scenery and that kind of thing because you do want to transport people in their heads, don't you? You've got to, it, part, and,
2: part and parcel of reading a novel, especially I think in this last 12 months where people have really enjoyed reading for, for the escapism of real life, I think. And, and I think one of the things is that you you want it to transport you to wherever that novel is set. And I think those little tiny details are what takes you there, aren't they? Over and above the things that you can read in Traveller magazine. It's the
0: little tiny detail that put you there, isn't it? I think a a book has got to have a a balance of all the right ingredients, basically. So to me, the the most important thing about the story is your characters. It, It always is. And then the plot kind of all stems from that. But you've then got to have you know, a story that is is keeping the reader engaged and interested and rate, hopefully racing through to find out what happens. But if you've then got that in a beautiful setting that, you know, it is. we do need a bit of escapism at the moment. And actually, Messy Wonderful Us came out in March, which was in many ways the worst time of year you know worst time in history to have a book <laughs> yeah because my book came out literally when all anybody wanted to buy was toilet rolls oh yeah it, it really wasn't ideal um and and I was due to you know I was due I was booked for the Graham Norton show on Radio 2 and I got it was cancelled two days before because everyone went into lockdown and so oh so many things went wrong but the book ended up doing well in terms of sales and the feedback we got from everybody as it ended up kind of getting into the supermarkets and people bought it online everybody liked the escapism it was like you know we were all stuck at home not going anywhere and all everyone's holidays was were cancelled and so the feedback i've had and the re- one of the reasons people liked it i think was being transported to a place when we were all basically stuck in talking to the same people every day when you when you you say the most important part of, a, of
2: any book is the characters do you I know lots of actors say they prefer playing that you know villainous characters the, the baddies of that do you have to do you like all of your characters or do you and do you like the good character you know when you create a heroine most of most of your lead characters are female aren't they
0: Yes, they are Well, yes, although I've had some books I've written kind of half and half, yeah, um, so Messy, Wonderful Oz is partly written from the perspective of a uh, man as well
2: yes, but do you do you like to write is there a kind of favoritism towards writing? the good guys the heroines the ones who we champion and that we re- we're really rooting for the kind of people that you'd ca- you'd want to be friends with or is there almost a kind of mischievous fun in writing the people who maybe aren't quite so nice who in real life you would not want to sit next to one of us you would kind of or that you would say to your mate honest to god get rid of him <laughs> just, just dump <laughs> him he's he's a you know don't touch him with a barge pole
0: do yes. you kind of like writing them as much as you oh, like I'm writing them i mean God, we've all met men like that haven't we for you know We've all been there, I think. Um, right. In terms of main characters, I absolutely want somebody that you're rooting for. But what it, the trap, I think that you, the, the skill you develop the more that you write and the trap you don't fall into or try not to fall into, you don't want somebody who is too perfect and too good. You want somebody who is flawed enough to be completely relatable and actually can do some, make terrible decisions and, even do terrible things, but somehow you're still rooting for them. Um, and so, so not my, my main characters are never perfect. They are always flawed and they always, you know, in particular, well, I've, I've kind of given you the description of, um, the, you know, the world at my feet and, you know, I love writing characters that have got something in their past that you know, um, it just adds to the ability of a, a, as a writer to be able to create a character who is really well rounded because we are all complex creatures, you know, um, and and being able to portray that in fiction well um, is is a really difficult thing, and I think that's why you know the more conscious I am of that, the more the older I get. That's why, as I said at the beginning, it does get harder because you want the nuances and you want the complexities and and all that stuff doesn't happen instantly, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I was going to say that might come with experience. Like what you said there, you know, you've had 15 years of writing. I guess, and, and we were saying before, you know, location's really crucial, but characters are really crucial because you want to spend time with these people as a reader. You don't want to read someone and you think... I don't know you. I, I have I don't relate to you in the slightest. You know, you're you're a pantomime villain or you're pretty miss perfect. You you want someone that you think, oh, do you know what? I can't wait to open this book and almost have a glass of wine with this woman or feel like I know I feel like she's a friend. Totally, totally. So I, I'm interested in what you think about um, whether the book world is equal for women. Um, I mean, you've been writing for 15 years, as you say, very experienced writer, very successful writer. Do you think it's, particularly for women in their 30s, 40s, even older, is it a level playing field or do you still come across or have you come across a bit of glass ceiling in your time? Well, Well, I've been very, very,
0: I I mean, I've had a fantastic experience with the publishing industry. So I have personally, I have absolutely no complaints. And everybody, um, I um, you know, have worked with is, you know, it is a very female industry, actually. Um, sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I mean, well, I'm sure there are, oh God, I mean, don't. I'm saying don't quote me on the statistics, but I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that something like 70% of readers are women. And that is very much reflected in terms of the numbers in the publishing industry as well. But I think where there is undoubtedly, um, I mean, there's all kinds of, it's it's not even just me saying this, but there is all kinds of research um, and analysis that's been done into, you know, the kind of books that, uh, are covered by in uh, reviews in the media for example and there are overwhelming statistics showing that there is an enormous bias basically and that men's books are considered to be more serious and therefore get tons more col- column inches in terms of review i wish i'd been able to dig out the statistics to, to so i could quote them but i'm 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 absolutely certain that m- the most recent statistics that, that still show this and, um, you know, it is telling because um, I think people's experiences as authors are probably, there is a very, um, are different, uh, you know, depending on your your gender. And, you know, you look at something like, um, I must tell you a little thing that happened um, during lockdown, actually, because I was homeschooling during the lockdown uh, and I've got three children and I know...
1: Oh, well done, you. Well, yeah, well... <laughs> You've done well just to survive, haven't you?
0: Bed every night, absolutely. You know, it was, was, I found it incredibly difficult, you know, trying to, obviously writing a novel requires enormous amounts of concentration. When you've got small children asking for snacks every 10 minutes and, you know, who you've got to be then printing out reams of maths and going through English with them, It was so difficult. So, so difficult. I mean, you were nearly, it just drove you around the twist because in the morning I would wake up and think that's right. That's what I'm going to achieve today. And I'd get to the end of the day and I would have done nothing at all. It was so, so, so hard. And I think every other female author, um, I came across was in exactly the same position, but somebody, there was a piece in the bookseller, which is our industry magazine. And one of the publishers had put out this either press release or done an interview. And it was, a, 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 you know, a, talking about the impact that lockdown had had on authors. And they would said something like um, uh, lockdown's been excellent for authors because they've had so much time on their hands that <laughs> lockdown. People are delivering their books early and expect to do this. And basically, what they meant were was lots of men, men yes. are delivering their books early, and so it did. You know, it, it, I think I think that predominantly a lot of the homeschooling did fall, fall to. The women in the household. I uh, my. Don't get me wrong. My husband absolutely rolled his sleeves up and got stuck in, and you know, we, we between we just had to. But I do think it was um, it was telling that what they actually meant in that instance were were you know basically they were talking about the me- the men had been able to write more and and so I think that is automatically it was just a little nugget yeah. of kind of reflective thinking if you know what I mean so. We
2: we talked about how, you know, the the industry actually is weighted towards women. I know a lot of your characters have been a similar age to you as when you've written them. So obviously, when you started out writing, were you in your
0: 20s? I was... Oh, God, I 31, I think, when my first book was published, so yes. So your heroines have generally been around their 30s, haven't they? Is that true to say? I think when I was, so my early books, my first book was Bridesmaids, uh, that I wrote as Jane Costello, and that, I think the heroine was in her mid-20s, maybe. Yeah thing is it takes ages to write a book and then get it published and all yeah. the rest of it. so I think my head was still in kind of mid to you know late 20s at the time um and so yes the feel of that and this was one of the reasons why I changed my name to Catherine Isaac because the books that I write now are obviously totally different from those rom-coms that I was writing then which was very much kind of girl meets boy type novels you know so you write about
2: what you know, baby. Is is that because you write about what you know, and therefore I wondered as you now get older. So you're now in your forties. Are, are you tempted to therefore have older heroines? Do you think as you go as you go on writing? So hopefully you'll write for however well forever. Do you think as you get older, your heroines will also get older?
0: I think, well, I have written the Catherine Isaac novels. I have uh, characters who are all ages. Yeah. You know, Messy Wonderful Us has got a character who we first meet, who it was a very significant character. And oh, I don't want to give away too much, actually, but uh, who is basically in her 70s, um, you know, uh, in some parts of the book. Um, um, so I think my Catherine Isaac novels are less sp- tied to a specific age group, if that, if that makes sense. So th- it's almost like the age of the heroine is irrelevant. Whereas with the Jane Costello books, I c- you know, people liked reading those when they were in their 20s and in their 30s, I guess. Catherine Isaac novels. um undoubtedly the demographic is far 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 wider um you know i only have to look i'm on instagram and facebook and so the people you interact with there anecdotally yeah um, you know are just a, i would guess i'd say my average is probably between 30 and 80 to be honest you know i get readers of all ages um and and, and i think the stories are of interest to that far, far wider group, I would say.
2: I think the thing is, they're not just telling one story, are they? I think the the Catherine Isaac books sort of interweave a number of different people's stories, don't they? They are uh,
0: multi-generational. Yes. So there's always three, I guess, stories, and it's usually people – from the same family and they all kind of dovetail, um, you know, at, at, at the end. Um, so yes, that's that's why. And I think, so the characters in, and I think to, to, to take the main character, it, even though obviously they are at a certain age, I can't, I just can't even remember what the, I think my character in the late, the probably early, mid thirties, I guess. Yeah. But, their experiences are universal i would say it's not tied to it's it, it, you know an, an age thing as you, as you know a lot of the people who listen to our podcast
2: are women of 30s 40s 50s and above what Sue and i have spoken before at some length and uh, because generally, because we've then forgotten that we've spoken about it, is that what, women in in- <laughs> what, one of the absolute joys of, of women getting into their forties, fifties, and above is you get a terrible memory. I mean, literally terrible. Like, where have you gone? Why did I go in that room? That kind of thing. To write a book, I imagine you have to have great levels of concentration, which I know you said were slightly interrupted by children. Well, not not slightly, greatly yeah. interrupted. <laughs> So great levels of concentration, but also a good memory because I guess you've got to remember all the back plot. You've also got you've got a huge amount of plots that you've got to remember, and you've got to remember whereabouts they're going. Is that is that a big issue in kind of thinking? Oh, okay, what was I going to do with her? What what's her backstory? Because that then kind of dictates how she behaves in the future, doesn't it? So if you have a character, you've kind of got to know their history. In, because it will it will sort of form their future sort of thing?
0: Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things I'd say. The first thing is I think it does help if you're an author to have a very good memory, definitely, yeah. because you simply, you are having to, re- I mean, my, my novels are between 100,000 and 110,000 words long, and y- you have got to, um, you know, you have got to remember a lot of information while you're doing it while you're doing one of the ways I do that though is to try and keep the momentum going in the first draft so I write a first draft quite quickly like a rough very rough first draft so I've got the words down because otherwise if you've started a book in I don't know March and you're not reaching the end of it until next March yeah very, very hard to remember from a year ago, that kind of thing. But the other thing is I write loads and loads of notes. And that's why I also do lots and lots of plotting Mm -hmm. uh, because it just helps to have that reference there, you know, uh, uh, of what, what on earth's going on at any given point. Um, and finally, um, I would say the most important part of my process is the redrafting. So I know I do know some authors. Um Erica James for example, she only writes two drafts of a novel and I cannot get my head around how that is even possible because I write about 12. Really? Um, yeah, I, I basically throw the first um, first draft down as quickly as possible. So I'm keeping the momentum going. I'm fully engaged in the story. And then I go back and I will change the plot and I'll make something better here and I'll improve something there. And then I'll keep going and keep going. And then, of course, you were improving the language and the individual sentences. And yeah, it, I've counted it up and it's about 12, 10 to 12 drafts, really um and it's in that at that point that if you have forgotten something if you've given someone blue eyes on page two and by page 173 they've got brown eyes <laughs> yeah you pick it up you know um and you pick up the backstory but yeah I'm always kind of you know quite often it's it's not an uncommon thing that you'll call someone bob at the start and they're called billy by the end Do you know what I mean? it,
1: I'm heartened by all this. I think this I think I think this is the way to go. When when you 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 know, brain fog, it's not brain fog, <laughs> it's writer's um creativity. That's what I'm yes. gonna call it from here on in. Absolutely. Just being creative, so <laughs> Well, listen. Talking about being creative, um, twenty twenty has been uh, quite the year. Quite the year for an awful lot of people. But if there's been any kind of positive line from it, is that it has released quite a lot of creativity in people. People have been on lockdown. They've you know had to find new ways to express themselves. They you know they've, people have taken up reading or they've taken up painting and what have you. So for all of those people out there who are listening to this. And i thinking, do you know what? I've always wanted to write, maybe not a novel, but maybe, I don't know, a short story or, or a shopping list. No, but seriously, something they've always wanted to write properly. What would your advice be as to where to start?
0: This is going to sound really flippant, but you've just got to put your bum on a seat and do it. Um, <laughs> I, curious, I, I honestly, I, I even now, um, it's so easy. There are so many other easier things to do than write a book or even write a short story and you could I could distract myself with a hundred different things but actually being once you've started once you've just put the idea down actually doing it then prompts more ideas right so unless you sit down and just put one word in front of another the rest of the words aren't going to come but if you sit down. And, and actually start thinking about it then you, you you can be surprised at how quickly it happens the other thing is if you get stuck you know if you've come up with an idea just put something down get try and write every day if you can because if you get into a discipline of setting aside say an hour a day to do to do it um y- you will find that you will easily start building momentum and if you get stuck take the dog for a walk and have a think about it put some. Like, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then you go back to it. And to me, that's what helps keep it over. I mean, there there are parts when you will get stuck. Writer's block is a thing, but you just have to kind of step away and uh, relax a little bit and then go back to it. Sue, so you go and have a shower, don't you, when you can't think what to write?
1: <laughs> I do, I do. I, honestly, because I, I, uh, people may know I, I, I write as well, um, as does Dawn. And if I'm stuck, I will always go and have a shower. And I don't know if it's just staring at a tiled wall, does it? <laughs> I'll come out of the shower and think, yeah, okay, I know where I'm going now, which is really interesting, isn't it?
2: So one question we like to ask people, given what we've all been through in the last year is, what's 2020 taught you about yourself?
0: um i think it's taught me to be um grateful for what i've got to be honest because i know so many people have had an incredibly hard time um during this this bloody awful year um so and and you know i think all of us in our own ways have not found this easy have we uh, me included but i think uh you know compared with what some people have been through um you know it has just uh it, it's it's i'm looking looking forward to 2021 with lots of optimism put it that way i think um i'm just glad we we kind of seeing the other side of this You've discovered a skill for decorating as well, haven't
2: you? <laughs> twenty twenty made you realise you're a good decorator. Yeah,
0: it, it did. We we um, I it's a year ago tomorrow since I moved into. We bought a big crum, a crumbling old house to do up, um, and basically hadn't counted on there being a pandemic uh, when I was trying to get builders here to fix the leaky roof and um, you know and all that kind of stuff. And basically, that did make it incredibly challenging. Yeah. Um, and we had so many curveballs thrown our way, you know, from people dropping out from you know, to lockdown. We had a f- massive flood in June um, that basically trashed all the uh all the renovation that we'd done and we had to start again. Uh, we had a decorator dropout, so I got up on the scaffold and have painted this house myself um so yes it's been a challenging challenging year in more ways than one I would say but um so yeah definitely looking forward to um getting back to my writing desk now and um yeah just just enjoy living in the house rather than painting anything if I need a paintbrush again it won't be I'll I'll be very happy
1: Catherine Isaac thank you so much for your time today very best of luck uh, for 2021 and the new book out in March Um, and of course if it all goes horribly wrong you can also take up painting and decorating for 2021 I hope not (laughs) thank you so thanks for listening everyone Uh, we do hope you'll join us next time The Menopod is a Laudable production and you can find us wherever you download your podcasts and on social media at Laudable Pods see you soon